Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm very happy that you joined us on this episode today. We've been in a series in the Gospel of Matthew entitled Matthew's Messiah, where the disciple Matthew, who had formerly been a Roman tax collector, was called by Christ, became a disciple of Christ, later an apostle of Christ, and wrote the Gospel of Matthew. His goal, his desire, his aim is to tell his own people, the Jewish people, and indeed the entire world, that Jesus Christ is the long-promised Messiah that would be the Savior of the world. So we are right here in Matthew's Messiah, and I'm glad you joined us today. This is the episode for Sunday, September 19th, 2021. Matthew's Messiah, Greatest in Eternity. Now we're going to see as we go through Matthew today in Matthew chapter 12, we're going to see that Jesus Christ as Matthew's Messiah is greater than David, greater than the Sabbath, greater than the temple, greater than disease, greater than demons, greater than Satan, greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon, and greater than family. He is greater than all of that. He indeed is the greatest in eternity. You know, if I came to you and I gave you a scenario like this, that you are trapped in a raging fire in a massive building, your life is in danger, and a firefighter emerges from that black, smoky darkness and shouts, follow me to safety, I am the way out, and you hear a voice over a loudspeaker telling you, follow the firefighter to safety, he is the way out, and you say, I don't believe you. I'll go my own way. What do you think is going to happen to you in that scenario? You're going to die. You have no hope of finding your way out of that burning building. And you're refusing the firefighter himself and the speaker over the fire truck that is telling you to follow him. That would be one of the dumbest decisions you could ever make is not to follow the firefighter. That is a pretty good analogy of what happens in everyone's life in this world when the Lord Jesus Christ presents himself as their Savior, their Messiah, and the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is saying, follow the Son, He is the way out to safety. And the majority of people, sad to say, say, I don't believe you. I'm going to go my own way. (laughs) Wow. That is blindness on steroids. That is stubbornness on steroids. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, we're going to see three groups in this chapter. The first group we're going to see are the disciples. They are believers in Jesus Christ. 
Now, they're at varying levels and degrees of believing in him, and they're all going to grow, but they are indeed believers in Jesus. Then we're going to see the family of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mary, his mother, and his brothers and sisters. The family were doubters. Now, there's hope for them because, in fact, every one of them are going to come to a personal, life-changing faith in Jesus Christ, that he's not just their son, like Mary. He's not just their brother, like his brothers and sisters, that he indeed is the Messiah. But there's a third group. These are enemies. They are resistors. They are willfully blind. And for them, without repentance from that, there is no hope. You might be in that third group. I hope you're in the first group. But you could be in that third group of his enemies, his resistors, those who are willfully blind. Let's go to Matthew 12, verses 1 through 50. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was anhungered, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. So right here in verses 1 through 8 of Matthew 12, we see very clearly that Jesus Christ is greater than David. That's King David, who was massively great in Israel. And yet David, David was less than the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is greater than David. If David could eat the showbread along with his army that was with him, then certainly the Lord Jesus Christ could do that. You see what, what we're saying there now? Uh, David did that in the temple and his disciples were just eating the, you know, stalks of grain as they walked along. Jesus is greater than David. Jesus is greater than the Sabbath. And he uses the priest in the Sabbath who serve the Lord in the temple. They do work in the temple on the Sabbath day. And yet they're not breaking the Sabbath. 
Jesus declares himself greater than the Sabbath. He declares himself to be greater than the temple. Now, by this point, the heads of these enemies of Jesus had to be exploding. This was, this was more than they could absorb. They simply were his enemies. They were resisting the truth. They were willfully blind. This must have driven them nuts. Well, let's go on further. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Let's go starting in verse 9. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. Now that's like going right into somebody's church, all right? He went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not hold on to, lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Now let me stop right there just a minute. Most of us, if we were in a religious setting, and someone exercised faith in Jesus Christ, and they were immediately, physically, visually healed, as happened to this man, in a synagogue, most of us would thank the Lord, praise the Lord, be so excited, rejoice with the man. If we were Baptists, we would have a fellowship meal after this. It was, it was great. But look at verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. Wow. Verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, this is Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So again, let's remind ourselves of this list. Who is Jesus greater than? Greater than David, 
greater than the Sabbath, greater than the temple, and I will say here he's greater than disease. We've seen him heal this one man. We've seen him heal multitudes. And this was fulfilling the prophecies of the prophet Isaiah that he prophesied that the Messiah would in fact do these very things. But let's go further. So we've seen that he is Lord over the physical realm. What about the spiritual realm? Demons and Satan and so forth. All right, well, let's see. Because if he's not greater than demons and Satan, then he's not the greatest in eternity. Well, let's see if he is or not. This may be new to you. You may be discovering something very wonderful. So look at Matthew 12, starting in verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil. Now, this is someone that a demon literally indwelt him. Say, how does that work, Pastor Ed? I don't know, but it's real. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. So he could not see and he could not speak. And it was in this case, although someone could be blind and mute without demonic possession, in this case, this was something that was visited on him like an affliction by this demon. All right? Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? That would be equivalent to saying, Is this not the Messiah? All right? Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. In other words, they were saying, let me boil it right down to its essence. They were saying that the only way Jesus Christ was able to cast out this demon was because he was using the power of Satan to cast out the demons. This sounds a little crazy, but who said the Pharisees were rational, right? The enemies of Jesus are not rational. So how does Jesus answer this? Verse 25 in Matthew 12. And Jesus knew their thoughts. Now, stop right there. Let's reread that. And Jesus knew their thoughts. Wow, only God can read somebody's mind like this. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. 
But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or how else can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Now let's stop right there. We see by what the Lord Jesus Christ does and says, let's go to our list again, that he is greater than David, the Sabbath, the temple, disease, demons, and even Satan. Clearly, he is the Messiah and the kingdom of God has come upon these people. The kingdom of God is standing right in front of them and talking to them, and reasoning with them. The Holy Spirit is, is trying to woo them to faith in Jesus Christ. And they are doubling down on resisting and back-talking to God. That is nuts. All right? So we see here that He is the greatest in eternity because he's greater than all of these things, even including demons and Satan. Now, let's go to verse... Well, let's, let's talk just a minute about the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. What is that? And maybe, I'm pretty sure, some of you listening, this happens every time this is taught or preached on, are worried sick that you committed this? A very good answer to whether you committed that or not is if you're worried about it, you probably have not committed that because you care. The people who commit this sin against the Holy Spirit, and, and what this means is the Holy Spirit is testifying to who Jesus Christ, the Son, is. He is God in human form. He came to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But people who resist the Holy Spirit will die in their sins and they will never be forgiven because they would not listen to the Holy Spirit. And so if you're worried about that, uh, trust me, you have not done that. Some even believe that very technically and specifically, that this could only be done during the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's true. I'm not sure. I do know this. 
if the Holy Spirit witnesses to someone their entire life that they need to trust Christ, repent of sin, turn to Jesus, and they say, no, 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 I will not, I won't, I resist, they can die in their sins and they will go to hell because they resisted the witness of the Holy Spirit to turn to Jesus Christ. So if you're doing that, stop and trust Jesus right now. That's all I have to say about that. So let's move further. Verse 34. O generation of vipers. This would be like a poisonous snake, like a rattlesnake. O generation of vipers. How can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Somebody says, uh, it was said many years ago, some people still say it, that what's in the well comes up in the bucket. You understand that? If there's water in the well, you drop the bucket, you can come up with water. If there was something else there, that's what's going to come up. Same thing here. People talk about what's in their heart, right? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And here's the point, verse 37. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now think about that. I think that could mean that if somebody says, I will not bow my knee to Jesus Christ, I refuse to believe in him. Well, hey, guess what? You're going to hear those words repeated back to you, replayed for you in your heart and mind when you stand before God in judgment. And your own words will condemn you because you refused to repent of sin and turn to Jesus. Now, hopefully, many are listening today that are saying, I'm sure I'm glad I've not done that because I listen to the witness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is Messiah. I repented of my sin. I turned to Him as my Savior and Lord. I've been born again. I'm walking in a living relationship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God I will never have those words condemn me when I stand before the Father. Amen. But for those of you who are resisting the witness of the Holy Spirit to Jesus, you are in so much trouble and you need to turn to him today. Verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Are you kidding me? Jesus has raised someone from the dead already. He has healed massive crowds of people. Jesus Christ has given sign after sign after sign after sign. And more than that, he has clearly fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies of what the Messiah would do and be and say. And they're asking for a sign? 
Wow. Verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. This is Jonah he's talking about. Jonah that was swallowed by the fish, spit up, and went and preached repentance to the city of Nineveh, the great enemy of the Jewish people in Old Testament times. That Jonah. Uh, He was real. And if you're thinking right now, that's just a story, an allegory, right? Hey, listen, if your preacher told you that, you need to find another church. You need to find somebody who believes the Word of God and preaches it in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Because if, if your Bible teachers are telling you that Jonah is just a story, they're wrong. Jesus Christ refers to him as, a, as an historical figure, a real person who really did and really had happened to him everything that was said. Now I'm recording this for uh, Sunday, what is it, uh, September 19th, 2021, and I don't remember the exact date, but about two or three months ago, you may remember hearing in the news, there was somebody that was swallowed by a fish and they they managed to rescue him, I think by, I don't know how they did it, but he, he lived to tell about it. It was really real and people knew about it. And this has happened before. Uh, sharks have swallowed people. Say, well, a whale can't swallow a man. The Bible doesn't say a whale did it. It says a fish was prepared by God. So uh, there was a guy who was a sailor in the, the British Navy, James White who was swallowed, um, I can't remember exactly by what, but he, but uh, same thing, they managed somehow to find him and rescue him, and his skin was bleached white for the rest of his life because of the gastric juices of the this sea animal he was rescued from. Friends, when ignorant people tell you this is not a true story, They're just ignorant, and they're wrong. You need to find a better Bible teacher. So Jonah was real, and God used him to bring, even though he didn't like it, to bring revival to the city of Nineveh, spared them from certain judgment. All right, you can read about that. Guess where? In the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. I think it's only four chapters. Go read it after we're done here. Verse 40, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So in other words, when he's predicting here that he is going to die and be buried for three days in the grave, right? just like Jonah was given up for dead in that fish's belly. Verse 41, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So let's go back to our list. I hope you're keeping a list. Jesus Christ is greater than David, 
the Sabbath, the temple, disease, demons, Satan. He's greater than the prophet Jonah. And if the people in Nineveh repented at his preaching, we certainly should repent at the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, most people don't. They refuse to do that. So, we're, we're now going to verse 42. The queen of the south. This was a queen of some country south of Israel who heard about the wisdom of Solomon, which was legendary because God gave him that wisdom. He was the wisest human being that ever existed in the world. So isn't the Lord Jesus Christ wiser? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is God come in human form, okay? But Solomon was given the wisdom of Jesus, essentially. And when the queen of the south heard about it, she made an entourage and a, a got an entourage together and made a, a journey, a sojourn to personally hear the wisdom of Solomon. And when she saw his fabulous wealth and heard his wisdom, it knocked her out. All right? Now you go back and read about that in the Old Testament. Verse 42, with that background, listen to what Jesus says. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came for the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So Jesus is greater than David, the Sabbath, the temple, disease, demons, Satan, Jonah, and the legendary King Solomon, the wisest and richest man ever in world history. There is no one today, for example, who might be the number one richest person in the world. Solomon's got them beat. That's the Bible record and the record of people who went to see his wealth, like the Queen of the South. They had never seen anything like this. Jesus is greater than Solomon. Wow. Verse 43. So he gives a, I don't know what to call this, a, a story, an example, an illustration. But he's going to plug it in at the end of it. Now listen. When the unclean spirit, and, and by the way, I I'm, I'm believe that this is what happens when someone is delivered by a demon, but they do not allow Jesus Christ into their life, okay? When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house. That's this person he came out of, right? I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so 
shall it be also unto this wicked generation. He's warning them that unless they invite him into their life, they are in for far worse times. Verse 46, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without. Now, just hang on a minute. Jesus is preaching and teaching, right, which we've just been hearing. Where do you think his mother Mary and his brothers and sisters should have been? They should have been with him, believing in him, learning from him, and trusting in him. But we know from the gospel record that they thought, and, and I don't mean anything wrong here at all, but they thought that he had lost his mind, that he just w was taking this too seriously. You ever had somebody tell you, now, now don't, you know, don't take your religion too seriously or so seriously when all you're trying to do is, is understand the Word of God and His will for your life and live accordingly. That's where they were. Say, I can't believe that. Even Mary, His mother? Yes. Now, I'm not saying that they, uh, they weren't where the, the Pharisees were. I'm not saying that. But... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very generous here. They had a lot of doubt. Let that sink in. They were that close to the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet they weren't really fully trusting him. Are you like that? You need to come around. And they eventually would. Mary and his brothers and his sisters would trust in him and be born again. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. Here the Lord throws down the gauntlet. Everyone needs to believe in him, even his earthly family. And I mentioned the three groups, the disciples, they were believers. His family, I think it is, is charitable to say they were doubters. They weren't quite resistors like his enemies, but they were doubters. Some of you who are listening right now, you hang around Christians. You may even go to church a good bit, maybe even all the time but you're just filled with doubt. Get over it. There is no reason to have doubts about the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to repent of sin and be saved. Greater is Jesus than David, the Sabbath, the temple, disease, demons, Satan, Jonah, and Solomon, 
and even family. Jesus Christ did not let family ties hold him back. Some of you are more concerned about what your family thinks than what Jesus Christ thinks. Woo! If that hit you, I'm glad. Some of y'all, that's a southern way of saying you (laughs) in the plural, some of y'all put your families in the place that only Jesus Christ deserves. Your family did not die for your sins. Your family did not rise again for your justification. Your family is not coming back again to rapture you out of this decadent world. Your family is not preparing a place for you in heaven where you will live with Jesus eternally. Stop idolizing your family. Are we to love our family, respect them, honor our parents and all of that? Absolutely. But they are never to hold the place reserved only for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you a question. What or who are you letting be greater in your life than Jesus Christ, who is the greatest in eternity? What lesser thing is holding you back? Let it go. Let them go and fully trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be listening here at the end and you're thinking, I need help with trusting Christ. I don't, I have questions. I don't know exactly, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I know I need to do that. Hey, listen. Write this phone number down, 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. I want you to know, if you call that number and you trust in Christ, with Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as your Messiah, you can know for sure how your eternity will turn out. It's going to be great. Instead of following Satan and a condemned world straight to hell, you can follow Jesus Christ right into heaven, be welcomed into heaven, and have a place with him for all eternity. Let me read some verses which will show you where you really are at this point if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.8-13 says this, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so glad that you listened today to this episode of This Week in the Word. And I know the Lord is either encouraging you as a Christian and strengthening you, or He is convicting you of sin as a non-Christian who needs Jesus Christ. I hope you will trust Christ today. Help be a missionary for Jesus by telling other people about this podcast. Help them find it at www.dredhill.podbean.com. They can go there. They can even download the Podbean app and listen free to the Word of God preached and taught. You can even share this episode right where you're listening with family, friends, and even enemies. Thanks a lot. I look forward to teaching with you again next week. God bless you is my prayer. Amen. Amen.